Hey, assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining us here at Mindful Muslima Speaks. So excited to talk to you guys and to bring the topic of today because if you can master this topic, you can master a whole lot of other topics, inshallah. So I'm going to give you a little bit of my secret because I do a lot of things on here and people ask me, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I'm like, there are some mini secrets. So I'm going to kind of bring one out today regarding how to get up at 4.30 even if you don't want to. Now, why would someone get up at 4.30? Well, obviously we're Muslims and we have to pray. So for people who are struggling for Fajr, this one's for you. But not just that. What happens if you want to have a better um, day? You want to have a more productive day, no matter what you were talking about. It could be with work, with school, with kids, with homeschooling. It could be your own personal aspirations. All of these things revolve around the morning. And I have a miracle morning routine that I put in my podcast a couple back. You could check it out. Also have a YouTube video on it so you can see the visuals. You can check it out on my channel, Mindful Muslima. But how do I actually get myself out of bed to be up and do all those things that make me have such a productive day? Because I'm going to be honest, I do get a lot done in the day. And this was not um, something I did. I wasn't born that way. It's something I had to condition myself for. But it's not hard. And I'm going to give you my secrets. So inshallah ta'ala, if you stay tuned for this. And if you stay tuned for the end, I'm going to give you my ultimate secret, my life-changing secret, the one that made me wake up for Fajr no matter what. And it's, subhanAllah, you'd be surprised. It wasn't an ayah of Quran, even though the Quran is amazing. And it wasn't like a hadith from the sunnah. It was something else. And that's what I love about what we can bring with this channel is we can merge kind of modern day um, trends and ideas and things into our deen and have this modern Muslim way of life, but still holding on, still holding on to all the tenets of faith, all the basics in the sunnah without compromising those as well. So I got some secrets. I'm about to bring them out. Stay tuned for us. Inshallah ta'ala, if you do want to keep sending me messages, questions, anything, don't forget Instagram is the fastest way. Um, like I said, on my blog, I'm totally revamping it actually right now as we speak. And I'm going to redesign it and I'm going to put up some different documents and books. And like I said, I'm building courses for you guys for like basic stuff, little teeny mini ones. So if you want to work on a particular thing. So no worries and shall add it. Okay, diving right in. So let me think. One, two. Okay, so we are going to go through just my couple basic tips and ways that I get up at 4.30 in the morning for Fajr and the beginning of my day, I get so much stuff done in this amount of time. And I've spoken about it in my mindful um, morning routine. Because this time, Islamically, we learn that this time has extreme barakah. Especially the time right before Fajr, right after Fajr. And so if you're a mom that's struggling with like... Your kids wake you up in the morning and then it's just like so stressful and you're tired and they're pulling at you and they want breakfast and this and that. And you're just like, your, your mornings are killing you and then the rest of your day you're grumpy and that's totally normal because if you have a kind of a difficult morning, guys, the rest of the day doesn't go well. If you're young and you just love to sleep and you just keep hitting the snooze button and you're just trying to get up and you're trying to go to school and you're trying to be productive and you're trying to get your papers in or whatever it is you're trying to do, again, this one's for you. And if you're a homeschooling mom that's like wondering why she cannot complete her career curriculum, all the stuff she has to do in her day, this one is really going to help you out. This is a life changer. So I really, um, you know, excited to bring these things to you guys because these are things that I think are really going to make a difference. So my number one thing I'm going to start to uh, talk about is the obvious one. I have to say it because it's so obvious, but this is the one that kind of messes everyone up. So I'm going to just throw it out there. I know you're not going to want to hear it, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I once, maybe was you, if you're like this, Go to bed early. Stop staying up late. 
I am a total night person. I was always a night person. I mean, like my whole life, I love the night. I like everybody to go to sleep. They have all this time alone to myself and I'm staying up and I'm reading or whatever. If you're a person who like binge watches Netflix or YouTube or whatever at that time, whatever it is you're doing, okay, not advocating it, just saying whatever it is you're doing, it's totally stopping you from having a better life. I'm going to be honest. And it's stopping you from being a good Muslim. If you're Muslim listening to this. Why? Because one of the things we have to do is we have to wake up for Fajr. It's a fault. It's not optional. I'm going to not. I mean like how many people wake up for Fajr? I'm going to tell you right now. A lot of people don't do it properly. They don't wake up on time. Or if they do pray it, they pray it like super late. Really, really bad guys. I'm not going to talk about all the Islamic you know, ramifications of that. But it's totally not acceptable. So if you want to at least get that together. It's really helpful. Because when you, when you do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks of you. He gives you more. So honest truth is, we're like upsetting the creator who's helping us and loving us. And we're just, we're making our day harder than it has to be as we take away the barakah. And we also know all the other, you know, hadiths and, and the Quran and things about this. So in general, you're, usually if you stay up late, you're not waking up for pleasure. Even if you're, if you're in, uh, I don't care if you're in uh, like Jilbab, uh, Abaya, Naqab, uh, Big Beard, anybody, male or female, it's not happening in the oh my guys we have to go to bed early number one number two if you stay up late you can't wake up in the morning and then like it's really really hard to wake up in the morning period even forget about pleasure forget about that forget about if you just want to wake up for work if you just want to get up and do a couple things so going to bed early makes all the difference now you're going to be like but that's not fair that was my time no worries we're going to flip it that's what i did i used to be a night person i flipped it to a day person and inshallah ta'ala i'm going to tell you how keep listening but i'm telling you that you're just going to literally flip the time you spend from that to that and you're going to have so much barakah because you're doing what allah wants and you're going to find blessing in your day and productivity in your day number two put your phone in another room or as far away as you can, that it would be so annoying for you to get up that you're less likely to do so. Why? Because we usually get in bed, and if we do get in bed, we spend it scrolling and tapping for another 30 minutes to an hour, maybe more, who knows, you know? And then sometimes when you wake up in the morning, that's the first thing you're doing for the first 30 minutes to an hour. We're trying to change that habit, also very destructive. If you want to know why you're not being productive, definitely gonna kill it so i'm just telling you the obvious but it's also sometimes guys the most obvious things are the things that are killing us and and we know them but we just like oh inshallah it's just killing us so i'm gonna be honest gotta go to bed early and you have to do that um just get the phone away from you actually psychologically mindfully mentally it's even not healthy to be honest so getting away is going to help you and if you've already like oh i put it on my bureau but you find yourself still getting up then that's not far away enough maybe you need to move it somewhere else so please try number three this is also really helpful make a schedule for your day the night before if you know what you're going to wake up and do so much more likely that you're going to do it because you already have your mind in the mode like okay cool i gotta do that right in the morning like if i'm going to go to the gym or something you know not that i go in the morning but i'm just saying i'll put my clothes out already or i'll put out my notebooks that i'm going to work on or i'll put on whatever so i make my schedule and i put my stuff out get you trying to wake up early um mood changers so that's the other thing so when you do wake up 
you want to be in a good mood. You want to be all like, like, I don't really want to wake up. So what you do is you basically make sure that you start with something that will get your brain in a positive mood. That's why I have journaling. If you go back to my podcast or if you go to my um, YouTube again, you'll see I journal. It totally puts you in a positive state of mind. It's so good. But very specific journaling. It's only like four points. Again, you can go back and listen how I do that. Also, making morning adhkar or Quran, just five minutes, guys. Even if you do it consistently five minutes, it's better than leaving it at all. If you can do more, alhamdulillah. The next one is avoid spending your morning responding to people. The morning is for you. You're going to wake up and be excited to spend time on what you want for yourself. The last thing you want to do is spend it helping other people, answering other people, being annoyed by other people. It's also super distracting and usually ruins your morning. So guys, make that time your time. Wake up and do what you want. Create alone time for yourself that you can look forward to, something you love to do, something you know that will make you feel good. And the number one secret to myself getting up early, guys, this was a game changer. And I'm going to throw a name out. And this person, in all honesty, they drop a lot of four-letter words. So I would not suggest you to listen to them. But they do have a book, and the book has no cursing. So inshallah you could buy their book. Or you could just listen to the rule. I didn't particularly buy the book, but the rule enough is enough. The rule is called the five-second rule. It's by Mel Robbins. If you do this five-second rule, it's a game changer. I encourage you to go on YouTube, look up Mel Robbins. Again, four-letter word person, not everything she says is four letters, but she she is a little spicy. So, But her rule is good. If you want to buy the book, buy the book. It literally requires you to do one thing. It's so easy. When you're waking up in the morning and you're staring at the ceiling and you don't want to get up and the, the buzzer, you know, whatever, the alarm went off, you just go five, four, three, two, one, and you move. Now you're like, oh, that sounds so like whatever I'm tired I'm not going to do that you will I promise you don't have a conversation with yourself don't think don't talk don't go oh I feel like this nothing just move five four three two one literally lift your body up get out once I did that guys I never ever had struggling with pleasure again Allahu alam it is so helpful. So I really hope these tips were helpful for you guys. It's just like a super mini thing just to let you know the secrets to all my productivity is the morning. And if you're struggling with that, this one's for you. May Allah make it easy for you guys. Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hello, assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining us here at Mindful Muslim Speaks, the place where we are empowering women and helping them grow and thrive. We are talking today about a really interesting topic. It is a love-based topic. And I do get the three topics I get the most questions are on love, parenting, and homeschooling. I do get some other stuff about life habits, which I will stick in there. But I am kind of bouncing between these three topics. So today is love. And the topic of today is beginner tips to finding a spouse so without getting too much into the nitty-gritty i'm just going to give you some basics this is like the abcs of searching for a spouse so if you're young and you're thinking hey eventually i want to get married these are some things you might want to keep in the back of your mind when you're young i think a lot of older people that have realized these things wish somebody would have told us when we were starting out in our journey so hopefully these tips will be helpful for you and even if you're a person who was married and maybe got divorced and now they're remarrying these are all things for you I mean it doesn't really matter as long as you're looking for some significant other these are all like the ABC like I said the the building blocks of looking for a spouse and things to keep in the back of your mind very they're more like generic but 
really important things that you should uh, put in your head. So anyway, in future podcasts, we're going to get into more detail. And if you have any specific questions on um, love and looking for a spouse, please definitely DM me on Instagram. And um, if you guys don't already know, we're also on the web at www.mindful-muslima.com. I did mention before in some other podcasts, I have some resources going on there, but actually our website is currently being revamped. So you might not be able to access it right away. If that is the case, please don't hesitate to um, email me. I have my email in the description box for this podcast. Okay, so getting on. So we have about seven big tips for the day. So the first one is tip number one, before getting to know your spouse, get to know yourself. It's really true, guys. I know we think we know ourselves. Well, we don't really know ourselves. Like, because you know what it is? When you know yourself, you tend to focus on all the things that don't have to do with somebody else putting up with you. Or, because <laughs> um, it's kind of like we look at ourselves and what, what bothers us, but we don't think about how we might bother someone else. And the other thing is sometimes we don't really get to what bothers us. We don't ever really ask ourselves and sit down and really figure it out. We have an idea. Idea, but we don't really get to it. So let me give you an idea of some questions I might ask myself if I was looking for a spouse. The first one might be, what are my greatest passions and joys? So for example, let's say for me it was like I'm really passionate about um, advocating for um, you know the rights of people who are overseas and they're struggling with this or that. Let's say it was something I was like super passionate about. I might like really want to look for a spouse that has the same type of opinion ideas because what happens if you get to the point where you get married and all the love stuff is there but they have some very very strong opinions that might be the opposite of your opinions in terms of things that you are passionate or things that you find joy with and then you end up not being able to connect or almost fighting with that person so i would definitely definitely um check that one out the second one is what really gets your blood boiling sometimes we don't realize what really irritates us until we've considered it Number three, do you accept yourself? Why or why not? And, you know, understanding where our points of weakness are are really important, guys. And I'll talk to you more about that in a minute. Um, Which problems are you likely to confront head on and which are you likely to avoid? These are really important because there's going to be a point when you don't always get along in your marriage and you're going to have to confront certain things. And if you're a person who runs away from problems, guys, that stuff just builds and builds and builds and eventually it comes out and it might be in the wrong way at the wrong time. So these are things to think about now so you understand who you are. How many children do I want to have and why? You wouldn't be surprised how many people don't talk about this when they're going to get married and then they have a surprise later that he didn't want as many as that she thought or vice versa. And so that can always be a strain in a marriage as well. So it's just something to really make sure. Um, you know, how important is school for you? Like, do you have to be, be able to finish school or not? There's spouses that do not want their other spouse to finish school and they didn't talk about that. And then they get married and there's a lot of, you know, I can't explain, guys. I've heard a lot. (laughs) So just know whether or not you have like certain specific needs about going to school because I do find that um, working outside the home or school are things that sometimes people don't talk about those things. Just, Just is that really important to you? 
And um, the last thing I would say, and this is what I'll talk about more later on, is do you have a growth mindset? And if you don't know what a growth mindset is, it's you are able to see obstacles and challenges um, as things that you can overcome with a strategy. You don't just get frustrated. In other words, like if things don't go your way, you don't just get all frustrated, depressed, or angry, and then you just like give up and you're like, oh, and then you fall into, let's say, a deep depression. Because a lot of people do that. A lot of people don't have control of their emotions. And if you haven't checked in my podcast from the past, uh, past taking back... Um, our life that one talks about how to control your emotions that's so key because you not having a grip on your emotions not just affects your life it affects everyone else's especially the other spouse so yeah if you have a growth mindset when there are challenges that come your way especially like now in a marriage we're talking you will not fall into despair you'll be able to look at them and say "Hmm, there's a way to fix this i just haven't figured it out yet And you're very, very much more optimistic than a person who doesn't have a growth mindset. Okay, the tip number two. So tip number one was before getting to know your spouse, um, consider who you are. So I was just giving you a couple questions that you might want to jot in a journal, talk to yourself about. Tip number two, before expecting an amazing spouse, like, right, we want guys who are amazing to marry us, right? Before expecting that, we should make sure that we are just as amazing as we want him to be. What do I mean by that? I mean, come on, guys. We all want a guy who has this, 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 and this. But there's a saying that employers say. Um, actually, people who coach employers say this to them. And I find it really interesting because I've been through like so many trainings. Uh, and <laughs> employers are always like, I want an employee who's always on time. He's honest. He's organized. He's this, he's this, he's this. And then... The coach of the employer always turns to them and goes, but are you those things? Because the truth is, if you're not those things, you can't expect other people to be those things. So if you're not a person who's always on time, you really shouldn't expect to marry someone who's on time. And that's not really fair, right? So we have to think about like what we're asking of people and if we're kind of delivering the same or not. And the truth is, you should spend more time, if you're looking for a spouse, fixing your relationship with yourself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than looking for that spouse. If you are looking for a spouse and you see there are major things you need to fix within yourself and you have a poor relationship with Allah, you're avoiding salah, you're late with prayer, you're like have a potty mouth, I don't know, you like really don't follow the rules of Islam, you're doing things you know you shouldn't, you need to stop looking for a spouse most likely and instead look in to yourself internally and maybe how you can get yourself ready because the truth is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises in the Quran he will match us up with the other person in terms of what we deserve so if we're not putting our best foot forward guys guess what we are not getting an amazing spouse so if we want an amazing spouse we have to be an amazing spouse so putting that work and that focus internally makes all the difference and just side note This is exactly what my daughter did to get married. She actually spent almost like a year just working diligently. And guess what? I'm going to tell you the honest truth. We had no idea who she was going to marry. It just seemed like she wasn't. She was just, she came a little bit sad about it. And I suggested this to her. I promise you. It was amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says like he will bring things from, from which you don't know where they are coming, right? Out of nowhere, the most amazing spouse came and she's married to him today and it was the best decision of her life. And he came out of nowhere when she stopped looking and she just looked to fix her relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll be surprised what will come. Tip number three, things that begin well, end well. Things that begin badly or poorly, they're going to end poorly, guys. What do I mean by that? Tip number three is if you're looking for a spouse, don't 
start dating and think that that person you're dating is going to end up to be your husband and all it's going to go well because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises that he's not going to give barakah he's not going to give blessing in your marriage if you do it in a haram way so what happens is you're just going to live your whole marriage going through you started something in a wrong way and Allah promises usually bad endings for such things so basically you're setting yourself up for failure and there that kind of goes into tip number four which is like sometimes we marry these people because we are just in love in the moment but we didn't ask all the right questions and we didn't realize what we're setting ourselves up for long term so tip number four is ask the right questions you know we can't just go into like our emotions because the truth is that's not very logical and islam doesn't work like that islam works on logic more than anything else because some people fall in love but then the guy ends up being like really really poor at taking care of his family or managing money and that woman suffers pretty immensely for the rest of her life so you don't want to deal with certain things just because you want to deal with emotion and not ask the right questions. So tip number four is ask the right questions. I hear people asking questions that anyone can answer and fake all the time. Like, I'll give you the perfect example of a not so amazing question that that you could ask a, a guy about marriage. So you could say, oh, um, are you religious or do you pray on time? And what do you think their answer is going to be, guys? Yes, right? No guy's going to be like, no, actually I don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some guys might. But majority of the time, they're trying to like put their best foot forward. So that is not a quality question. If you want to ask a quality question, this is what I keep in mind. The first thing you need to think about, and this is the most important thing, is what do I want to know? And what question will help me get that answer in the most honest and realistic way? And this is the thing. If you figure out that that question, like like the one I just had, do you think that's going to get you the answer you want? No. So then how can I ask it a better way? I have one for you. This is one of my favorite ones, actually. It is, you, you can ask the person, do you pray on time? And they'll say yes. And then the next question is, so what time was Fajr today? Yeah. No one can answer that one unless they prayed Fajr. Other, I mean, they can't like whip out their phone and start fumbling through the phone, right? See, that's that's a better question, right? Because right there, you're putting them on the spot. You're not being mean. It's just you're asking them what time Fezzer was. And if they can't answer what time Fezzer was, I bet you they didn't pray Fezzer on time, right? There you go. So my point is we need to get a little bit more witty about our questions. And I'll give you... Um, Another thing that I always do is I don't like to ask questions. I like to kind of do it almost like a job interview. I'm sorry, but it's true. It works out. Really great job interviews don't have questions. They have scenarios. So if this and this and this happened, what do you think would be the best response? Then you're kind of forcing them to say a little bit more about the situation and how they would manage it. And even if they're lying, you could usually get a lot of information from those questions, a lot better than like yes or no questions or one to two word answers from other basic questions. So if you want to ask them a question about like something like if you want to know whether or not he gets angry, angry, angry easily, you can you can ask him a scenario or set up a scenario for that. Or you could just flat out ask him what makes you angry. I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be honest about that either. And I hate to say that people aren't going to be honest, guys, but this is the truth. If somebody really likes someone else, they just want them to like them too. And then they're going to hope that they can kind of sometimes fib their way through certain bad qualities about themselves in the hopes that they'll change them later after they've already married that person and they'll figure it out. And that does not always happen. And most of the time it doesn't happen. But the truth is we have to protect ourselves as women because a lot of men will say whatever it is just to get our attention. Okay. So we have to have kind of higher standards for ourselves. So, so far, just to recap, tip number one was get to know yourself. 
before you get to know a spouse or before you start looking for the spouse because you need to know who you are to know what you'll like. And number two, and, and what you'll like doesn't just mean what he looks like, guys, because we all know that's what most women are focusing on, just like men. This is just natural. But we have to look a little bit past the emotions and the love and the lust. So number two is before expecting an amazing spouse, make yourself one first so you can attract what you deserve. Number three is to do things in the right way because otherwise things with a bad beginning will have a bad ending. Tip number four is ask the right questions. And tip number five is understand. This is a big one, guys. A lot of people don't really realize this one. Um, Understand that when you marry someone, you marry their whole family. Yeah. I mean, I know everybody thinks you're just going to go get your own apartment and live somewhere else. But the truth is, that family's always there. And if, you have, if that man has a strong relationship with his mother, you better believe her opinion's going to matter. And if her opinion's going to matter, or let's say the father and his opinion really matters, that's definitely going to affect your marriage. And I've seen that a lot with marriages. So understand that you're marrying the family. Whether you want to pretend you're going to be independent of them or not, somehow they will be in your life. Even if it's a small way or a big way, they will be. So you need to start looking at them and thinking, are these people that I want to have in my life on a regular, almost daily basis? The other thing is sometimes men unconsciously end up becoming just like their fathers and women just like their mothers. Why? Because they've been modeled those ways the whole time. And a lot of people say, I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be like my dad. But the truth is we kind of end up becoming like them because we've been modeled exactly how to be like them for the past however many years, almost 20 years. So take a look at his father. Understand that that might be him in X amount of years and ask yourself, "Mm, do I feel comfortable with this character? It doesn't mean that he's going to be exactly like him. But I'm just telling you, there are definite clues in there. So you might want to just take a look. Number six. This is a really important one. What are your non-negotiables? I'm telling you, this is how I live my life, even with jobs. What are your non-negotiables? What are the things that you are not willing to give up? What are the things that you must have? If you could just put this list out, this is extremely helpful for understanding who you are. If you're struggling with tip number one, this is really, really a good one. Because when you do this, you get to the nitty gritty of like what will make or break your marriage. Like what's the stuff that you are not going to put up with? Like for example, I refuse to stay married to this person if he's going to be like a liar or a cheater or if he smokes or if he's lazy or if he's a person who procrastinates or whatever. Like whatever it is that you like will not put up with. I will not put up with if he doesn't let me finish school. I will not put up with this. Whatever that. Figure that out, guys, because you need to be honest about that right in the beginning later on when you do get to those deep conversations. You have to know your non-negotiables. Though I would definitely say that is tip number six. And the last tip would be focus less on the looks and the love and more on the two things that will let you know that your marriage will have the potential to last through the difficult times. Don't get caught up in the short term. Think long term. Think long term. And that means to seek someone. There are about two things that, that I would look for with this one. The first one is seek someone who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if you're with someone who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, guess what, guys? When you have big problems, life problems that come at you, the person who fears Allah looks to the Quran and Sunnah, not his desires and his personal opinion for solutions and that's better for you because they'll be ready to self-sacrifice more and they'll be more willing to compromise to please a lot and to please you and that is that just speaks volumes for marriage you have no idea and number two in that is 
looking for a person who has a growth mindset. And the reason is that a person who has a growth mindset is usually more positive. And that's really important because in your marriage, you're going to go through a lot. Sometimes in the beginning, there's money problems, there's family problems. And a person who is not positive will not only drag themselves down, but they will drag you down, especially if you are their spouse. You have to understand you are marrying the other person's problems. You're not just marrying their good looks and marrying their good intentions. You're also marrying all their weaknesses too. They become part of your everyday struggle. So you have your own issues, but if they have their own issues and then you can't handle it together, it just doesn't work out. So this means more of a chance that they won't run around when things get hard on you and do things that are, you know, maybe deceitful or that they won't just run to divorce you when things get tough. You don't want to know how many times marriages get ugly really fast or don't last because of this one. So when we get married, we want our lifelong marriage to be there and we want to look out for these qualities to really, really increase our chances of having a long and healthy marriage. So in the next podcast, I'm going to talk about this one, one thing that I mentioned here about I don't know if our our spouse has a growth mindset because I think it's really actually not just them. How do we know if we have a, a growth mindset or and also if they have one? And the truth is, I want to tell you something. You can sometimes teach your spouse to have a growth mindset even after you've married them. I actually was able to do this with my husband because my husband was extremely traditional. And um, at the same time, he did have an extremely open mind so it can work if they are open-minded he was just taught a certain way but he was very much open to learning other ways if they're not so he technically kind of was growth mindset but he never developed it let's say so there are chances for some people who are married already but at the same time this is something you want to know guys because this will also make you um, a more positive and productive person yourself. I hope that was really helpful. Inshallah ta'ala, we'll talk some more. If you have any specific questions on looking for a spouse and tips for a spouse, let me know. Assalamu alaikum.